0: You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. I remembered what you said and thought about how much harder it is for Black people trying to live in white spaces. It helped me to understand how much harder it would be for Black people to feel welcome in our group. This podcast is sponsored by brilliant liberation minded people. We get together over at patreon.com forward slash Aquila and I'm offering exclusive goodies only to that space even when we're off season, which is coming up after episode 100. I want to thank everyone who is currently a patron. Everyone who really wants to be, but is not in a financial position to do it, but is sharing the podcast and sending all types of love and light energy. Thank all of y'all. Extra special thank you to our newest patron, Rebecca. Thank you and welcome to the community. Again, check us out at patreon.com forward slash Akila If you enjoyed this episode and want to support financially, thank you. y'all episode 95 (laughs) if you have been rocking with me since episode one or you did a binge I get a lot of messages about folks who do some binges they might not have been around since July of 2016 but they're caught up I so appreciate that That energy feels really, really good. And it kind of helps in the moments when it feels like, you know, you're just like in a corner in your bedroom recording, you're thinking about people listening, or I'm thinking about people listening. So when you share that, it feels really, really good. And I appreciate it. So we are 95 episodes in. We are almost at the end of season three. We're going to round it out at episode 100 in Los Angeles in a small dinner party. That's going to have a lot of big topics that we will be sharing in the form of a live-ish episode. (laughs) And then I can dive into some of the other work that has come from the podcast, including engaging my patrons a whole lot more. So this episode nine to five is going to be great because you get letter number five of the support letters for people raising free people. And I'm really excited about sharing that letter because it's a spinoff from an essay that I wrote in 2015 Yeah, I think it was 2015, I wrote an essay called Three Radical Reasons to Be Okay with Not Being Okay and Four Ways to Manage the Feelings. When I wrote that, so many people responded to it. Everyday Feminism, I don't know whether it's still there, but they had a Facebook page and there were, I'm sure it was the highest commented on essay that I'd done up until I started writing more consistently about unschooling but that one got so much feedback and the, the sort of messages that I got really showed me that I wanted to and needed to work it a little bit more I needed to get a little more detailed and turn it into even more of a resource so I ended up writing a book about that topic a short ebook that just broke down more of what I was saying and offering and that book on Amazon I think it's like 2.99 I'll put the link to it in the show notes page, but I definitely think that if this letter resonates with you, you should check it out. This is an email exchange between Heather and me. Heather is a member of our Patreon community, and she started an unschoolers group in Omaha, Nebraska, where she's located. And Heather and I had been communicating. She had reached out via Facebook direct message, which is actually not a good way <laughs> to reach out to me, especially if you want it to be timely because I don't check it that often. Emailing me at she at A or leaving a voice memo at raisingfreepeople.com is better. but this was one of the times when I was on there a little bit and Heather and I got to communicate and we were communicating for some time. she got to a stuck point, and I appreciate the way that Heather handled it. She was willing to do the work. And she followed a bit of guidance that I offered her and it was useful. And then she came back to me to share that. And I'm going to share it here too. I think it's really useful for us to see and hear the ways that we allow the work to work us, the way we allow ourselves to be uncomfortable, to experience the discomfort of pushing through into this new weird territory, as society would call it. This is a good example of that. So let me read a little bit of the exchange between Heather and me. We just started the Omaha Unschoolers last November, so I'm mostly working on an inclusive framework. I personally invited every homeschooler who is a person of color from our Big Omaha Homeschoolers page. We've had several families of color join us. I hosted the art night that I sent you pictures from, and we invited people from the Black community to share their art. Oh yeah, those pictures were so dope. I'll send a link to the Black Expo event that I'm signed up for. I follow this great community leader in Omaha, and she puts these on a few times a year. It's specifically for Black-owned businesses and organizations that benefit the Black community. Then Heather goes on to explain to me how Omaha is one of the most racially segregated cities geographically, and that there's a huge income disparity and just a lot of the concerns that she had and saw around the high rates of poverty for people of color, And she goes on to say, I have a passion to reach out, but I feel like I'm lacking a huge base of knowledge. I feel like unschooling is a way to decolonize, and that's a hugely powerful reason, but I don't know how to share that with people of color. I said, it's good to know that you had several families of color join your community. You should probably be talking to them more about what brought them there and what concerns their community members of color might have about joining, or whether they're even interested in joining, since some unschooling families don't feel supported by joining groups. So that's all I offered, Heather. She came back in appreciation of that. She said, I had to process your advice because yes, talking to POC who have joined seemed like the first obvious step. So she goes on to talk about the work she was doing around that and her nervousness about talking about race and also being leery of asking people for emotional labor without compensation. But in the end, she said, you know what? I think I'm just going to reach out to this particular person and ask her for coffee to discuss the event and see what she says, because at least it's a start. And then she went on to ask me some more things. And would it be better to reach out to this person, that person? I'm scared of doing something wrong and offending people. And I responded basically saying that, yeah, I get it. That can be a weird feeling, but it's a feeling that many people of color have to figure out how to live with every single day especially when we talk about the homeschooling and unschooling communities in this context here, we know what it's like to be super uncomfortable while you're trying to create community. So I mentioned that to her and I said, you'll be fine. Just ask and be willing to respect their response. She did that. The response was wonderful and they scheduled their coffee date. So that organization, by the way, who puts on that event in Omaha is Minorities About Business. The event was called the Black Business Expo. It just happened August 4th. And so Heather messaged me saying, we did it. And then she sent me some pictures, which I'm gonna put on the show notes page, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash nine five. So she sent me some pictures from the Black Business Expo and she said, let me tell you what totally reframed this for me and changed my experience. You said that my fear of offending or doing something wrong is what black people feel every day. Actually said some people of color feel every day. So she said, every single time I felt fear, I remembered what you said and thought about how much harder it is for Black people trying to live in white spaces. It helped me to understand how much harder it would be for Black people to feel welcome in our group. Honestly, your comment changed everything. So I worked through my fear and kept going. She went. They made a lot of connections. They were invited to speak at the Black Neighborhood Association meeting and invited to be on a Black radio show locally. And she said, you were the first resource on our flyer. It was so great to share more about self-directed education. Shout out to Heather. Shout out to Angelica. Shout out to the Black Business Expo in Omaha. Minorities about business. That's wonderful that that's happening there. So that I know that a lot of non-people of color, non-Indigenous folks listen to the podcast. So I really think it's important that you see or hear, I guess, or experience how Heather wasn't willing to let Her anxiety or her fear of feeling embarrassed or offending someone get in the way of the work that she needed to do because she needed to do that if she wanted to create a space that did feel welcoming for the black folks in her community. And she couldn't do that unless she was communicating directly with said black folks in her community. And she did it. And then not only was it well-received, but she was also invited by those people into the space. She didn't have to put like a Black friend up front or bring me to the thing to be like, see, look, Black people, now let's do it. (laughs) By the time, if ever, I end up doing something in Omaha, then it wouldn't be to try to create some sort of connection. It would be building upon a connection with people of color that she's already reached out to. She's already been doing the work. She's already been respecting the responses, showing up in the space, seeing how she can offer information and letting that organically evolve into invitations to do things if the people there feel comfortable. This is an example of how you do the work, right? And she reached out to me and I was available at that time. I also do this sort of thing on a consultant basis. And then there are many other people who do this sort of work in different spaces as well. And in some instances, maybe even in a lot of instances, this work that you can get from people of color around doing this sort of race connection and SDE inclusivity work, it applies, especially if there are people of color who are doing the work. So you got to look for the spaces where you can get those resources. And I'm so glad she did that. Wanted to share that. Thank you so much for sharing with me, Heather. Shout out to Omaha. Letter number five, in support of people raising free people. Dear you, what if I told you that it's okay not to be okay? You might accept that notion in theory, but when them feelings hit, (laughs) And these schooling realizations occupy your mental space. You see that your approach to your child needs to change, but that feeling isn't always positive or empowering. Sometimes sadness, hurt, guilt, frustration, uncertainty. Those are the feelings you have access to. And dear you, is it your tendency to try to push through those or just to be with them? There's this unspoken church of positivity dogma that pushes us toward constant optimism. Think about how people would look at you if you actually said that you didn't feel good and that you didn't want to feel better. The agreed-upon social sentiment is that, as human beings, we should all be trying to experience positive thoughts and be optimistic about life. We are expected to respond in the affirmative to the constant calls to action, show up and smile no matter what, think positive thoughts, kick fear to the curb, and be strong enough to push past our pain. It seems legit, right? As a matter of fact, the decision to choose positivity as our general life lens can be incredibly empowering when we're in the mental space to receive it. But when we're not, which is a very real part of most people's experience, what do we do with our feelings? When we feel shitty about a thing, afraid of an outcome, saddened or devastated even by an experience. Where do we go to lick our wounds? Who is speaking about what to do when we're not willing to hurry our feelings along or to force-feed ourselves Ian Zant and Eckhart Tolle and whoever until we get to that better, easier feeling? Dear you, this is a letter of support, but it ain't no feel-good letter. Nothing in these lines is intended to help you take hold of negative thoughts and transform them into positive ones. Optimism has its place for sure. But, dear you, there is no substitute for being present with our feelings. I offer you these three reasons to be okay with not being okay. But I've also included four options for accepting and expressing your real feelings, no matter what those feelings might be. Three radical reasons to be okay with not being okay. Reason number one, sadness is not the opposite of self-love. Sadness is a common emotion and probably one of the most hurried past experiences within the emotional spectrum. Most of us view sadness as something that needs to be resolved or replaced with another, better emotion. We're often asked whether we want to just sit around and feel sad or cry about it, or whether we want to brush it off or get on with our lives as if those two things are opposing forces. Sometimes we need to operate inside our emotions instead of trying to avoid them. In doing so, we can often avoid the toxicity of suppressed emotions and unmanaged hurt. The old idiom is true. Hurt people hurt people. And so we can protect ourselves from becoming toxic, uncompassionate people when we start with ourselves and offer honest assessment of our own feelings. Feeling sad or lonely can be tough to be with, but we are not weak or wrong or broken for having those feelings. Trying to avoid these feelings can actually lead us to make decisions out of fear instead of honest consideration. But allowing ourselves to feel those feelings can make us stronger and allow us to be honest about our environments. And that honesty can lead to sound decision-making rooted in love and appreciation for our own well-being. Reason number two, naming our emotions can offer access to personal power. Personal power through my lens is about a commitment to actively embracing who we are and setting our own goals based on whatever we need to feel well. I use the term "actively embracing" as a means of placing emphasis on the action aspect of personal power. If we wait to react to society's prompts from this church of positivity or of any other well-meaning but often harmful messages about emotional wellness, we surrender ourselves to the whims of media and loud mouths, and we risk losing our own power. Personal power is not always about overcoming something or being the pitcher of strength and resilience. It can also be about the stillness of being right where we are emotionally and allowing that space to clue us into whatever is happening in our world and whatever we need to feel in that moment. So name your emotions, take that time, because oftentimes we carry even more guilt and shame around feeling our feelings than we do the actual feelings. So make space to acknowledge your feelings because that's a great way to start making peace with them. Reason number three, sometimes encouragement is more about their discomfort than your healing. Frequently, the people closest to us encourage us to feel better as soon as we can, often doing so from a place of love. They love us and so they find it hard to see us feeling anything but good, which prompts them to go into fix-a-feeling mode. It's because they care and it's because it's a human tendency to avoid pain and to seek pleasure. When we recognize that tendency, we can let our loved ones off the hook for being positivity pushers (laughs) by using compassion and understanding for their perspectives without compromising our own needs. And we can do that by letting them know that we're not ready for a different feeling because that's all it is. It's a different feeling, not necessarily a better one or a more helpful one so we can let them know we're not ready for a different feeling. We can also offer that same compassion to ourselves by recognizing our human tendency to want to pull away from discomfort and go towards feelings that might feel easier to manage or that make the people around us more comfortable. But that's not our job. We are not required to manage other people's feelings along with our own. We are not charged with spreading cheer and love across the world. We are here to be ourselves to feel through our feelings, to get comfortable in our own skin, and to be honest with ourselves as consistently as we can. Of course, that can be easier said than done. So here are a few examples of ways to accept and express your real feelings. One way is to use the word processing. It's a total easy button move, and it's often the honest truth. So when you get that inevitable Are you okay or how are you feeling? You can simply say, I'm processing. Thanks for asking. That way, you're not offering up your exact feelings for discussion, nor are you saying something opposite of your current truth just to make things easier for you or for them. Another thing you can do is to make space for shared discomfort. If you're willing, dear you, to verbalize your right to feel your feelings, that choice often brings about a discomfort, right? Because most people aren't comfortable with a perceived problem, which is your feeling or feelings, until they feel like it's close to being solved. So if your relationship with the person can sustain honest conversation, let them know that you're not okay and that you don't hold them accountable for changing that feeling. Express that to them if you want so that they can witness you stand up for yourself in that way. Another thing you can do is to have a sucky feelings ritual. All of our feelings deserve our attention, but not all of them should be part of our focus. If you want to explore the potential aha moments around your seemingly sucky feelings, make space with words and images that honor those feelings. Sites like Tumblr and Instagram can be hella cathartic for feeling our way through emotions sometimes. I like combing through playlists on SoundCloud when I'm mining my sadness, for example. I also make up my own rituals so that I remember to be present with my own feelings. For example, I have this ritual that I do with my phone, and I'll put that link in the show notes page. So I use that ritual to watch and listen to myself as I make peace with whatever I'm feeling in that moment. It's one of the ways that I show up for myself without feeling any pressure to adjust my feelings in any way. So I want you to click on that link on the show notes page and try it out, or Intuit your own ritual and see how you can be there for yourself more often. One more option is to recognize a tendency for toxic self-talk. The founder of a super dope resource website, Everyday Feminism, her name is Sandra Kim. She does a lot of work around healing and personal transformation. And she recommended this simple self-inquiry sentence as a means of getting present and being okay with our feelings. She said, say or write the following sentence, filling in the blank with the most honest statement you can say about what emotions you're feeling. And the sentence is, I feel blank, and that's okay. I feel blank, and that's okay. So you fill in that blank with the most honest statement that you can say about whatever emotions you're feeling. Those last two words in the sentence, that's okay, Those words offer a way to acknowledge that we're not doing something wrong or bad by feeling how we feel. Sandra often uses the example of feeling cold to illustrate the option to keep our feelings label free. When we feel cold, that feeling isn't necessarily bad or wrong or good or right. It just is. And we can't always change it right in that moment. But as mindful beings with a full spectrum of emotions, we can acknowledge that while it may not feel great, it exists, and that we're not broken because we feel the existence of the thing. For many of us, the tendency is to try to power up and push through any feelings that we deem undesirable. It might even seem like an act of self-preservation to purposely stave off the feels and opt instead for a daily dose of feel good now. But is there a cost to this focus on positivity? can we truly heal from hurt and pain if we're being pushed past our pain? Moreover, is the avoidance of tough emotions such as hurt or pain rooted in false notions of acceptable and best-to-avoid emotional self-expression? Essentially, dear you, this is about being comfortable in your own skin and trusting yourself to be present and resourceful enough to be honest with your feelings without drowning in them. And even if you surrender to allowing perceived bad feelings to wash over you, you can trust yourself enough to be right where you are, to feel how you feel, and to define healing on your own terms, in your own time. Thanks for listening to Fair the Free Child Podcast. Like the show? Then show your lover, give your feedback at AkilahSRichards.com. Fear of the Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives, insightful commentary, learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves, owning our multiple identities and treating children with dignity, creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces, breathing life into liberation practices, proactively, and on purpose. It's about parenting. It's about self-directed education, loving. It's about learning.